Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash trinity radio. Enjoy the show. I recently received a question from one of our supporters regarding certain kinds of atheists with whom they interact on social media who are overly confident in their positions and only respond with bombastic language and rhetoric. This individual was stressed out, not because of the strength of the atheist arguments, but I get the impression he wanted to continue to present the gospel as a Christian should, but felt like it wasn't doing any good with this kind of person. Now, not all atheists are like that, and that's important. But the question is, should you spend your time interacting with people like this? I think one key to figuring this out is to look at why atheists in general debate at all, whether that is a formal onstage debate, an online debate, or a text-based debate on social media. I recently conducted a social experiment in which I asked atheists 10 questions about their atheism. And I learned some things. There were some things that I had heard many times before. But in the last video I released in that series, responding to what they had to say, I learned some things. Or some things struck home with me like they never have before. Not just in the video, but also in the comments and how people responded to the question and the video itself. As a result, I've come to a conclusion about this that might be helpful for you in deciding when to debate, again, whether that's a text-based social media discussion or a more formal debate of some kind. So why do atheists in general debate? Some atheists debate because they think there are actually good arguments for the non-existence of God, incoherence arguments like the omnipotence paradox, the omniscience paradox, or various arguments from evil have been classically put forth to argue and to show that there is no God. If you believe that's a truth about the nature of reality, then it makes sense that you would test those arguments by presenting them to others, specifically religious people, to find out how they respond. Some other atheists debate because they want to hear the best reasons to believe in God, and they want to see how their responses to those arguments might fare. However, what I've realized in a new way over the past 24 hours since making my last video is that there are some atheists who freely admit that they don't know what it would take to convince them. But if there is a God, he would know and he would do it for them. And since God hasn't done that for them, either he doesn't exist or he doesn't care to give them that information. When these atheists debate, based on the way they think about these things, there is nothing that their opponent can possibly say that will persuade them. Let's call this type of person Atheist B. 
We'll get to Atheist A in a minute. Atheist B will go so far as to say that almost anything, no matter how tangible, no matter how obvious an interaction with the supernatural or the divine, it could merely be a hallucination, a delusion, or the result of some advanced civilization like aliens using advanced technology to deceive them. This is why even a personal appearance from God wouldn't be good enough. It could simply be a delusion or a hallucination. If an asteroid strikes the moon and suddenly it is written in Hebrew and Greek, God exists, it's not good enough. It could be aliens using advanced technology. Perhaps if God appeared to millions of people at once, that would be good enough. At least then we could check with each other to confirm what we saw. Nope, that's not good enough either. That could merely be the aliens again, putting on a real display trying to trick us to believe that there is a God or that the supernatural exists. So, of course, with all of that, the arguments and evidence that Christian apologists will present in something like a debate will never be good enough. But obviously, this is a level of skepticism that the average citizen does not have. If you ask the average citizen who happens to be an atheist if they would believe if they saw an ocean parted in Jesus' name, they would say, yes, of course I would. If you ask the average citizen whether riding on the moon or a personal encounter with God would be enough for them to believe, they're going to say yes. If you ask them whether logical arguments in principle might convince them, many, if not most of them, are going to be open to that. Let's call this atheist, Atheist A. So what does this mean? This means there is a huge difference between what Atheist A, the average citizen who happens to be an atheist, considers to be good and bad evidence, and what Atheist B considers to be good and bad evidence. In my last video, I discussed a hypothetical that was presented to Matt Dillahunty by Mike Lycona in their debate. In that hypothetical, Mike imagined, what if my head were decapitated and after, let's say, an hour or so, my head was reattached without human involvement, and I began to tell you, Matt, about an experience, a conversation I had with one of your deceased friends or relatives, a conversation that you only would know about, you and this other friend or family member. Would that be enough to convince you that something supernatural had happened? Here's an example of Atheist B that showed up in the comments section to that video. So having evidence an event occurred does not mean you have evidence of the cause. So I believe that I seen someone head get completely cut off and then reattached. That would, and I think they meant to say wouldn't, make me believe a God exists. And this is not because I have an unreasonable expectation of what would convince me that a God exists. Supernatural things exist or supernatural events occurred for a number of reasons. This would be from that alone, we would not have evidence of the cause. First, we don't have evidence that that can, can or has occurred. If that happened, do we have evidence that the only possibility of the cause was supernatural? Do we have some technology that I am currently unaware of that could do this? What if there is some more advanced technology from other life in the universe that could do this? I would say believing I have evidence a God exists would convince me a God exists. But because we don't know everything, we would have to consider, is there a natural process that we don't know about is the cause? Is there some advanced 
advanced technology that we don't know about. And this is why some atheists will say they don't know. And if an all-powerful and all-knowing God exists, that God would know. Your question actually assumes a God exists. If no God exists, there could not be evidence a God exists, and your question is nonsensical. So seeing someone's head get cut off and then reattached an hour later involving that person telling someone about an experience of an afterlife they had and information from a conversation that that person alone would know about this deceased friend or loved one might not be evidence for God or isn't evidence for God because it could be aliens using advanced technology or someone else using an advanced technology. Atheist B has an epistemology that people like Matt Dillahunty have chiseled out over years that prevents them from accepting as good evidence what Atheist A would consider fantastic evidence. So again, with Atheist B, there is conceivably nothing that a Christian apologist could present to them that would persuade them to believe that God exists or that Christianity is true. With Atheist B, then, we have to ask the question, why do they debate? One possibility is that they enjoy debating, and so they debate as a hobby. This is certainly true with many atheists, and it's consistent with some of the other reasons one might debate. It could be that a given atheist or a given Christian debates because it will get them views on their platform. It could be that Atheist B debates to shore up his or her base to help convince those who are already atheists of how silly Christian arguments are. But I think the most obvious answer for why many people we could call atheist B do debate is because they want other people to understand that they shouldn't believe on the basis of theistic arguments or Christian arguments. Just like the Christian has a position that Christianity is true, that we want other people to accept, Atheist B has a position as well, his or her epistemology, the one that doesn't allow you to consider almost anything as good evidence for God. And just like the Christian presents, proclaims, and defends his position, Atheist B will present, proclaim, and defend their position, their chosen epistemology. When they debate a theist or a Christian, they aren't necessarily showing what's wrong with that argument. They're showing what their epistemology says about that argument. Just like the Christian has a message he wants to proclaim, promote, and defend, so does Atheist B. He or she has a position, a message that they want to promote, defend, and proclaim, the gospel of their epistemology. And even though you'll often hear them say that they aren't necessarily trying to convince anyone of anything, they're just here for a conversation or they're just waiting to be convinced. They're clearly trying to explain not only why on their epistemology they don't think they should accept certain arguments as evidence for theism or for Christianity, but why you should accept their epistemology and you shouldn't be convinced by these arguments for theism or for Christianity. With this distinction in mind, there is a big, glowing, obvious difference between Atheist A, the average atheist, and Atheist B, who wants you to accept his or her epistemology. Conversations with Atheist B will be less productive. Conversations with Atheist B will be a waste of time if you focus on the wrong things. With that in mind, I've crafted a disclaimer. 
I don't think it'll actually be used, but I think it should be present anytime a video is produced or some other resource that involves someone from the camp we might call Atheist B. The disclaimer reads, Disclaimer. This person's skepticism leads them to the conclusion that miracles, personal experiences of God, nor historical evidence will ever likely be enough to persuade them. Even God literally appearing to them, or someone parting an ocean in Jesus' name, could simply be a delusion, hallucination, or advanced, unknown, deceptive technology used as a part of a conspiracy to convince them wrongly that God exists. This means that any apologetic used with this person has, by their own admitted epistemology, been ruled out. Discussions with such a person will, therefore, likely not be productive. If you are a listener, and philosophical arguments, historical data, or even incredible miracles such as the parting of an ocean in Jesus' name would convince you, then this person's opinions about what counts as good or bad evidence should be of no consequence to you. Now, what you could do with Atheist B is have a conversation with them about their epistemology and why you think it's constructed in such a way that it disallows for the inclusion of what should count as good evidence. But until this happens, most of the debates that you're going to have with Atheist B are going to be exercises in spinning your wheels. And while the gospel message should be involved in any discussion a believer has with an unbeliever about these matters— it may be that with a person like this, the best you can do is lay aside the apologetics and just present the gospel. 